Welcome to our first ever CCRI discussion forum. I'd like to set the stage for this discussion. In this first forum, we hope to gain a global perspective of the issues of greatest concern to all of our participants. And by that, we mean the issues that most impact your lives. I think most of us already know the most pressing issues that we know need to be reformed. Women need to be treated with equality, both in having a voice in the decision-making of our church and being able to recognize their call to the ordained ministry. We know the divorce and remarried should be encouraged to use their own conscience in their being welcomed to the Eucharistic table. And of course, the LGBT community should be welcomed and not treated as some, quote, disordered state. And very likely, we'd not be, an ex be experiencing a sexual abuse crisis by the clergy if celibacy were optional. From experience, those, though, we know the chances are slim that we're going to reform our church from the top down. The majority of bishops are not listening and are not likely to ever want to. Rarely have we ever seen people having the power willingly give it up. So we have a far greater chance of changing our church from the bottom up. We may not be able to change the minds of the hierarchy, but we can change ourselves and our behavior. So CCRI is calling for Christians to step forward and recognize that we must become an adult church. We should no longer be acting like children asking, quote, Father, what is wrong or right, what we may do or may not do. It's time that we grow up and accept our roles as adult Christians, looking for the very best way for each of us to become a strong presence of Christ in our world today. And I will add that our objective is not to make this a complaint forum or a gripe session, but rather recognizing the issues that are most important to those of us on this call, moving forward to discuss what we can do about them. And at this moment, we call on the Holy Spirit to be present with us and to guide us by speaking through the voices of those on this call today. So with this in mind, let's open up the discussion. All of those issues are very important to us women in Aotearoa, New Zealand, and also to many men. They are also coming on board concerned about these issues. And our group here in New Zealand, in Auckland, Hamilton, Auckland and Northland primarily at the moment is slowly doing what we can in our own lives and in our group to look at how to move forward. So I would like to hear a little bit about what's happening in other countries as we're sitting here because that's linking us globally, which of course is part of the objective of this um, dialogue today. I've never been part of one of these before, but I'm certainly very interested and I think it's fantastic as an initiative. And I think for me personally, one of my reasons for joining our group is to give hope to the younger women in the future. I think change, as you said, won't happen easily from the top. 
I don't think it'll happen at all from the top. It's happening from grassroots, from us women who are bringing about change by our dialogue and being together. And for me, this is about giving hope to the children, the nieces, the grandchildren, the women of the future. And most of them are pretty disillusioned with the church. So we want to give them hope. So that's why I'm sitting here, one of my reasons today. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And I think just the word that comes to me always is inclusivity. And I mean, you've mentioned all those areas, which is so true. And I think culturally too, you know, we're such a, often a very white church, and yet we aren't really, you know what I mean? But the power is in the hands of more of the Pākehā. So I think we've got to be aware of, of all the people that incorporate to come to our churches. And just that, that baptismal commitment that we have of being priest, prophet and king, it's all ours. It's just not priests, it's us. We are priestly as well. So how we, how we, yeah, all these groups that you mentioned, how we ensure that we take on, we, and, you know, we um, take on that as our call and do it with, you know, a, assertion really, yeah, and confidence. Great, thank you. Um, I think the, the great strength of um, what we have in terms of the technology is being able to link globally much more easily than we ever have. Um, and what's become strikingly obvious to me is I've been a part of CCRI um, with our fortnightly calls where we talk to people right around the globe, literally in India and in Mexico and Korea and uh, France and Ireland and um, Canada, US, Brazil sometimes, um, New Zealand, Australia, not so much because it's such a horrible time for them. So, but I get up in the middle of the night to be there because I just feel it's so important. Um, but it's, it's inspiring. And, and what's so inspiring is to find that in actual fact, we are not alone and we are part of this universal church. And what we are experiencing in our part of the world is no different from um, many other places, in fact, everywhere. And, and um, so I think that, that encourages us to act and act locally and take, take um, control of our own destiny and, and reclaim our church, which I think is um, what it's about because we all have at our hearts a, a deep commitment, a deep love for the church and, and for what it really was about, the gospel values and who Christ was um, 2,000 years ago. But that has been kind of um, subverted and distorted and, um, and even, well, what are the words, colonised taken over um, by an institutional patriarchal hierarchy, which um, is far from what Christ was really about. There's amazing literature um, coming through. I'm looking at a book called Wisdom Jesus, which comes brings us right back to looking at who this person of Jesus was. Um, there's, a, there's a book that um, Peter Wilkinson has put me in touch with just um, this past week. And he is president of Catholics for Renewal in Australia. The book launch was only um, the 17th of September. So it 
only last week. Um, Catholics for Renewal is a group that started off about 10 years ago in, the, in Australia um, who were aghast at the abuse crisis, um, dysfunctionality, lack of transparency, etc., etc., in the church. And, and they, they started with an open letter to the bishops saying, um, expressing their concerns and asking for um, uh, accountability, openness, and um, transparency, and, and to hear the voice of the people. Um, this, they were aware that there was an ad limina coming up and the letter was addressed to Pope Benedict XVI. Um, the, the letter had a single goal, to renew the Catholic Church in Australia so that it follows Christ more closely in every way. It also set a strategy to understand the true situation to develop concrete proposals for achieving that goal. Um, that each diocese in each diocese that the bishop should convene a diocesan synod and that the Pope should allow a more accountable and consultative process in the appointment of bishops. So we've talked about that at CCRI. Well, the letter, um, they still never have had a response for it. So it's gone nowhere. Um, and they go, but they go on to say, being transparent, accountable and inclusive has never been the principal government characteristics of Australians' bishops. Few publish informal annual reports of their state of the diocese, and they rarely convene diocese and synods or assemblies to consult their people. Secrecy and control have been the norm, and resistance to change has been fierce. Um, so um, this group emerged, and he describes it like a, as a spot fire, breaking out spontaneously um, and um, to, in reaction to this. And then he goes on to say, that Catholics for Renewal is but one spot fire which broke out spontaneously, burning for renewal. Others have broken out and included additional documents um, in, as part of the um, Australian Catholic Coalition for Church Reform. It's a coalition of 14 renewal groups across Australia. So I know that there are inclusive Catholics of Australia, um, uh, Australian Catholic, reforming Catholics, and. Um, organizations for women's ordination and ordinations for inclusion of LGBT, you name it, there are numerous. So these spot fires have just, it's grassroots and demands for change. And, um, and it is happening because there is now a plenary council that's being um, convened for October next year. In fact, they're going to have two council sittings for some reason, October next year and February 2021. Um, so it, this um, book that's just been released for Getting Back on Mission, Reforming Our Church Together, is um, a, if, in fact a submission to the Plenary Council. Um, so it's really interesting to see how these things have evolved in Australia. And I have the sense that um, the same kinds of concerns and spot fires have been burning and um, erupting in New Zealand and, and yet we haven't kind of got ourselves organised to connect and to, to push for a plenary council or a people's synod or um, people's forum or whatever we want to call it. Um, so I don't know, I'm, maybe I'm just ignorant of what's actually happening, and that's why I'm keen to coordinate with people like yourselves and people who are in the Be The Change group, 
just to get it out there and see, well, what is happening? Where are we up to? And what can we do? What should we be doing? So it's quite a long spiel. I'm sorry about that. But. Oh, that's oh. wonderful. Just before we started this Zoom call, I said to Colleen, has she heard anything about a plenary council in New Zealand, in Aotearoa? We've heard about it in Australia, but not here. So are you saying, Christina, that nothing's happened about that in our country to date that you've heard of? I haven't, and you haven't. So no, nothing. No. Um, I mean, I know um, the Archdiocese of Wellington, John Jew, is, Cardinal John Jew, is, um, it's head is, um, has had synods, and they have had a number of them. They have them periodically, and they have been wide-ranging and have done some extremely progressive things. Auckland and Hamilton, Plumas North, um, Christchurch Diocese, are much more resistant to change. Um, our, we have a new bishop in, um, well, five years now, in Hamilton, um, Bishop Steve Lowe, and he has this process of... Um, with hearts burning, which he's consulted. It's been parishes and groups meeting, but then a lot of it's gone online. And um, But still, there's a... Well, I just heard from somebody at um, Mass this morning that that they're writing a submission towards this because this is, uh, there is a strategic plan that's evolving out of that. Well, but I haven't heard anything about this. I'm actively involved in the church. I haven't been invited to write a submission to it to even have a look at what the strategic plan is looking like. So how open and transparent is it? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm just missing the mark. But not involved enough to know. But mm. I'd have thought that you know, if, if I'm not hearing about it, well, who is? Mm. I, have a suggestion, I have a suggestion to make. A plenary council need not be called by the bishop. It could be called by the people. Why not you go forward and promote that Australia is having one? We think New Zealand should have one as well. Go to your bishop and tell him this is what you plan to do. You would love to have him involved with you. It would mean a great deal to you, but you are going forward with it one way or the other. I think that would be awesome, but I need I need to keep people behind me, and I need to you know it's not it can't be just my vision. Um, and and I, I wonder, think, yeah, go on. I wonder if it's something that our women's group could actually pick up at our next meeting and look seriously at as something that we may be able to incorporate in our moving forward plan. See, I always wondered, um, I might be wrong, you know, how they had their commission in Australia mm -hmm. and you know, sexual abuse. And then I thought, I, in my mind, I thought, oh, perhaps this came as a result. Mm. And see, we're having our commission November this year. Yeah. Mm. So, and, and I just, I, but I might be quite wrong, but it's totally unrelated. But I just wondered if it would be something that might come out mm. as a result of all the submissions and things that happen with the abuse issues. I, I think you're right, Colleen. I, I don't think it's unrelated at all. I think it's totally connected. Um, 
And if we look at the process and what, how this emerged for Plenary Council in Australia, it is exactly the same. They had a Royal Commission on investigation of, of the um, child abuse in uh, institutions. Um, I think that the, the Australian bishops were much more reluctant to get on board with it. Fortunately, ours, um, again, with the leadership of John Jew, have actually asked to be involved and, and to have the, the brief of that investigation, which is a government-led investigation, so it's in the public arena, it's not a church thing at all. Um, but to ask to have the, its brief broadened to include faith-based organisations, so that would not that would be not just the Catholic Church; it could be any church, um, not even necessarily Christian, could be mm. any be Jewish or Muslim or, or whatever, mm. or some religious sect. And we know we have those as well. Sects <laughs> um, mm. where there's been some very questionable things going on. Um, mm. So um, I think that's really healthy. And, and um, according to the research that uh, is it Peter Wilkinson and these castle have done, um, that was published in the um, Newcastle Herald a couple of, uh, towards the end of um, 2017, I think, was an article that said, uh, identified three root causes of sexual abuse, and that was um, patriarchy, denigration of women, well, which is related, and, um, and homophobia. Well, um, you know, so the abuse is not because of it, just a few bad apples and the system is basically okay. The system is not okay. okay. No. Mm. Also, the fact that we've got these two former Columban guys who were part of the Australian Royal Commission coming to New Zealand to speak in Wellington, if I heard the information correctly, and then coming to Auckland open to addressing a group, maybe that's another opportunity for us to ask a few more questions of those two guys about mm -hmm. the interface link between the commission and the plenary um, council, you know, the interface there of how that actually happened, get a bit more information, mm -hmm. and maybe we can jump the gun in the fact that our yes. Royal Commission is formally starting in November and start discussing the plenary before the Royal Commission's finished, get it moving as a group of women. Absolutely. I think so. I think that's really good. In other discussions that we've had, one of the important questions being raised is whether being in a place or in a state of being able to be a, a leader or a um, presider at a liturgical gathering, whether it should rest with the sacrament of ordination or whether it should stem from the sacrament of baptism. There are more and more people who are raising the question that by virtue of our baptism, we have far more rights, far more responsibility than what we are taking on. For too many years, We've looked to the ordained ministry for telling us how to form our conscience. Whereas now there's a, a, a lot of discussion about how people can rise up and recognize their own prophecy, their own priesthood, their own duties to be a, a spokesperson and to be take responsibility. I think that's worthy of conversation. 
so I'm excited. I think that you know is something that we can work towards, and and I think we need to be working um, nationally much more as well because there have been tremendous progressive um, things done in Wellington Diocese that I know of. They have um, pastoral assistance um, in. It's a three-year training program for pastoral assistants, um, which essentially deacons in, in all but name. But because they've called them pastoral assistants, it's inclusive of women. And, and so um, a good number, if not the majority, of these pastoral assistants are women now. And that's been going on for uh, at least 10 years. And these women are, are now running parishes, running Eucharistic liturgies, running, doing baptisms and ceremonies and sacraments and all sorts of things, and working alongside, um, and sometimes in place of, in priests that are no longer there, um, and doing tremendous... ...the norm, isn't it? That's going to be the church of the future anyway, isn't it? It certainly is. And if we can get more sharing, if we can just connect and hear the voices of and experience of those people, then it might help allay the fears of the um, of the well, pubertators as you call them, Rene, um, the, the, just the run of the mill Catholics and realise, oh, this isn't actually that scary, and it's not the sky's not going to fall. And in fact, it's it is the future. It's it's reclaiming our church. And I have heard in Wellington, you know, the diocese, this was a few years ago at a meeting I was at, one of the priests said, the priests, the parishes with the lay coordinators are the most energetic of the parishes. You know, it the lay sense. leadership has brought out the best in the people, of course. So, I mean, that was priest saying that, and I thought, well, from his observations, obviously, and I thought, well, how that would be so true. Right. We have our work cut out for us, don't we? We have so much to sure both do. motivate and educate the Catholics and Christians of today. You know, I think that so much of our past has made us think that being a Christian is all about Mass on Sunday, not realizing that if we're going to be a, a, a follower of Jesus and a presence of Christ in the world today, We've got to speak up. We've got to show up at protest marches where we stand in solidarity with immigrants or where we stand in solidarity with students who are seeing their classmates being shot at and killed and dying in, in school places. We, we have so much work to do. And I think that if we can begin to get people to realize the future of Christianity, and I, I say that more than the future of the church, is all about getting us, the followers of Jesus, to be real li living agents of Christ in the world today. We can do this in gatherings and in homes. We can do it by initiating the kinds of things that you just talked oh, about. I was referring to that's just been published um, is called getting back on mission, and, and, it, and it claims that you know we've kind of gone completely off mission, which is and the mission of the church is to bring about the realm of God in this world, um, to liberate um, the imprisoned and set us free, and bring about love and compassion and all of those things. Is it by the author? Oh, it's 
written collectively by Catholics for Renewal. So that's this group that Peter Wilkinson is um, uh, I but, think we've got a real opportunity, Christina, in this October meeting, as we hinted at before, to make that a special moment over here in, in Aotearoa, New Zealand. We can, we can use that, can't we, to spread the word. And if there's a link between that meeting and a plenary council and our women's moving forward group, that yeah. could be fabulous. Yes. Absolutely. I, I really feel that um, this is the way forward for us. And well, I'm impressed by the Australians that they've you know, been so um, groundbreaking and leading in this. And, you know, it is inspiring. We need to follow it up and do it here. Right. So, Rennie, can you tell us a little bit about um, what was on the, what was the discussion on the call that you had in the last 24 hours, the first of these calls? The essence of the discussion was about Christians becoming uh, an, a, creating an adult church and those of us in it learning to grow up. It's time that we start making initiatives, that we start moving things forward in a way that we see fit. It's important that we make decisions for ourselves. I, I know that there are many divorced and remarried Catholics who have made that decision that it is appropriate for them to partake in the Eucharist. But I think there are hundreds of thousands of people who are still waiting for Father to tell them, it's okay, you can do that now. And what can we do to educate people that this is between us and God? It's our conscience that should be leading the way and how we live our lives and what what we do going forward. So that was a big part of our discussion. I often say that the largest religious denomination in the entire world are former Catholics. There are so many who have lost faith in the church, become frustrated with the clerical sex abuse crisis, with the treatment of people in the church, with the ignoring of women. But it is my hope through our discussions and through our podcasts that we get Christians thinking about what the alternatives are. Going to mass on Sunday is not the only way, nor even maybe the primary way for us to be a presence of Christ in the world today. Young people are showing us by example, they are getting up, they are standing in solidarity with the oppressed, with the immigrants. They are speaking out for gun control in the United States. They are doing the something. They're going to Washington and taking a stand. That is part of our function as Christians today. Jordan, Jordan. Jordan. Uh, I agree with you entirely. You can't live your Christianity in a vacuum. It has to be we within the reality in which you are placed. And I do believe that there is a movement that may or may not become the future of the church, but it would not surprise me if people gathering rather in, in cathedrals, in large structures, and gathering together with the priests saying mass and people lining up for receiving communion, that 
what is happening more and more, people are coming together in homes, just like the early Christians. It's almost like we're moving toward a renewal of the church by going back to the simplicity of the church and of what it was to be a Christian in those very, very early days after Christ left this earth. And I see people joining together in homes, talking about issues that are of concern. Some have a discussion forum, some have a home mass, some share the bread and wine with each other, but each group is finding their own way of how they can come together and find support as we struggle to live our lives today. I'm very hopeful about that. I myself am part of one, and I'd love to see more and more of these become adapted. I think that's nothing new. It may be uh, new among the Catholic community, which was uh, more used to a structured uh, form of ritualistic religion. But this form of informal getting together and praying together, uh, it's very much a part of various Christian traditions. Thanks to all of you, wonderful discussion, and let's not make this the last. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Okay.